So, Don't you like that? I, that's I, the worst. my second I episode. Like I deleted it. What? Before I was so upset, Javi. Oh my goodness! I'm so upset. This is. Uh, I'm. I'm really disappointed. I thought we was on a roll there, but um, <laughs> so, at least a little. T- the the top five ranking will go by a little quicker this time. Yeah. Um. So all right. Um. Break your butt up. Wake up, Mr. West! Wake up, Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! Mr. West! What's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Hobson Randall McCain III. I am your host of Woke and Restless. Um, we are here coming back again. Um, as you guys can tell, Kerm is not with us this week. Um, like we stated last week, he's starting his journey in law school. Um, so from time to time, he's going to, um, you know, not be with us. And we're just going to have to switch things up um, in that spirit. We are going to have our first guest on the podcast this, uh, this week. Um, we've had guests on lives, uh, many guests on lives. Um, but this is going to be our first um, official guest slash interview type uh, deal and we have my good, my one of my favorite cousins. I can't specify, and I can't specify which one. You know, people are gonna listen to this. But one of my favorite cousins, one of my best friends, um, Destiny Oliver. How you doing, Destiny? Hi, I'm good. I'm really good. Awesome. So, um, Destiny actually just started a podcast called A Piece of Destiny. Um, I've, I've checked out the first episode. I'm working my way through the second, but it's a great podcast. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Hello, my name is Ethan Oliver, and I started A Piece of Destiny uh, essentially just to give people a space to share their stories. I feel like a lot of the times we see people through their highlight reels via social media, and we don't really get to know them and get to know what experiences um, shaped them and made them people that they are. And so I started my podcast to kind of tell my story, which I do in the first episode, and to hopefully give other people space to tell theirs and really get to know people and learn from other people's perspectives and experiences. Um, Cause that's how I feel like you can really get to know someone. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and, I, and like I said, I checked out the first episode and um, it, it is a fantastic show guys. Like it's really, it's relatable. Um, it's engaging. Um, and you definitely want to get to the end of each episode. So make sure y'all check it out. Um, I'm working my way through the second one and the second one seems just as good. So um, we'll, we'll make sure to link it um, in the comments um, when we share the episode on the page. So y'all just click that link and go check out um, that podcast. Um, moving forward into this episode, we're going to start off with an icebreaker. Um, this week, we're going to do, instead of a top five, we're going to do a ranking of uh, five prominent actors. Um, we got Jamie Foxx, Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, Will Smith and Samuel L. Jackson. So we're gonna rank those from best actor to worst actor, I guess, or least best actor. Wow, that's, that's, y'all are wrong for that one, but okay. So I guess I'm gonna go first. Oh Lord, okay, so we're gonna start at the bottom, number five, and people are gonna probably come for my neck, but we're gonna put Will Smith. And I'm not, let me, let's, let me start this by saying, I'm not ranking ba- really on acting skills <laughs> as I probably should be, or like best mm-hmm. movies. I'm ranking like the movies I just watched and my favorite movies, because I just watched Power Project. 
No, so. no, no. Y'all, y'all heard it here first. Destiny said Will Smith is the worst actor. No, I didn't. Yeah, she said it. That's not what I said. No, Will has a <laughs> lot of great movies that I love. I'm just at the forefront of my mind. It's Prior Projects and Avengers. So let's get this started. Okay. Will Smith is going to be number five. Number four. Oh, you said Denzel. I love Equalizer. Like, oh, y'all, I love action movies more than anything. But I'm going to have to put Denzel at number four because I just watched Robert Rogers. Hey, we didn't talk about this before, guys, so y'all forgive me for... Don't come for me. Okay, so <laughs> number four is going to be Denzel. Number three is going to be Morgan Freeman. I just love his voice and, you know, that's where it is. Number two is going to be Jamie Foxx because, y'all, I just watched Power Project. It's really, really good. Check it out. It's very, like, surprised. The first one is going to be Samuel Jackson because I love all things Marvel. And uh, that's where we're at. So that's my one through five. There's no shame. And that's what we're going to do. And next week, that might change if you ask me. But that's okay. No, no. Depending on what movie she was. But I guess she's standing, she's standing strong in it now, guys. I am. You know, I'm, my, my list is based off skill. And if y'all want to come for me, then come for me. Y'all know where I'm at. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I got Jamie Foxx topping off the list. Then I got Denzel, Will Smith coming in at two and three, and then Morgan Freeman and Samuel L. Jackson wrapping up the bottom. Um, so y'all let us know uh, how y'all would like to rank, um, you know, those actors. Well, we might put it up on the page later this week. We'll, we'll see. Um, but we're going to go ahead and jump into this discussion, um, you know, in the spirit of kind of trying to change things up and, um, you know, attack things from a different angle with Kerm going um, we're going to kind of talk about something that's not necessarily centered in politics. Um, it is an aspect of it, but definitely not the focal point most times. Um, and, that, and that is uh, wellness and spirituality, specifically in the Black community. Um, and I know that you are very into yoga, very into spirituality mm-hmm. and wellness mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself. Um, how, did, how did that journey start for you? So... I think similar to a lot of young people and then just specifically young black people. I know from my story, I grew up in the church. Um, and for a while it was just like, a, oh, I'm going because my mom expects me to wake up Sunday morning and go. And then some point in high school, I kind of, well, I know the point, but in high school, I am transitioning into college. I kind of turned away from like actually being in a church mm-hmm. and, um, felt that me and Jesus and my our, my personal relationship with the Lord um, was all I needed. <laughs> and I didn't need to be in a church and be with people. Um, and then as I moved through college and graduated, I found that community is a good thing. Like we're not supposed to be on this world alone. Um, and so then I did find a new home church and I got started my yoga journey in college. And I recently um, kind of dove deeper into that with certification and what I found for me the importance of having a foundation or something that keeps me grounded um is I have something to lean on so Mm -hmm. when things aren't going the way that I expect them to or I feel like overwhelmed there's something that I can hold on to and lean on whether for me the Lord it might be the universe for other people it might be whatever um just making sure that I have my footing and I'm grounded somewhere and I'm not just out here floating around um, in my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, so religion in the black community has a certain connotation. It does. Um, a certain, um, 
you know, uh, a certain thought pops into your head when you think about religion in the black community, specifically with the LGBTQ plus um, um, black community um, and, um, you know, folks that don't necessarily agree with the um, whole Christian narrative. Um, in that sense, um, do you distinguish between religion and spirituality? Because I know a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, a lot of people kind of see them as one in the same. So I'm just interested to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I do. Um, for me, religion comes down to different practices. And for some religions and churches, it's like the laws. <laughs> mm -hmm. It can be that kind of overwhelming and rigid um, structure. Um, and so I do separate the two and then with spirituality it's more so the personal relationship that you have i have with the lord and other people may have with whatever else they believe in um and the relation the actual relationship you have with um like i said the lord or just personally not connected to an actual um church or building or law that you're following mm -hmm. um, so yeah i definitely see a difference between the two true so um, and it's interesting, so I, I've kind of, I don't know if I've started my spiritual journey, quote unquote. Um, I'm not like the most, I'm a very logical person. I am religious, you know, I, believe in, I believe in God, um, but I am, you know, getting more into the spiritual side of life and, you know, coming into myself um, with myself, if that, you know, if that makes sense. Um, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, given especially what's going on with coronavirus, especially what's going on with our current president and, and just the state of um, the country, um, how, how important is it to, or do you think it could be for black people to tap into that and, and, and to find, um, you know, strength from an internal source as opposed to an external source? I think it's very, very important and needed. And what I have truly um, loved to see specifically during this year is the amount of people going on the journey to connect with something bigger than themselves um, and doing the work internally to make sure they're okay. Um, because we know this year has been crazy. And if you don't figure out some way to protect your mental health and your peace, um you can just be out here angry and mad at the world yeah. <laughs> and that's not what we need um we've been angry enough for years and so i think it definitely um now is a time and space to figure out what works for you and take care of yourself fully um because we can't give to our community um and pour out into our community if we don't have anything within us <laughs> yeah, to yeah. Give, you know so 100%. I um so important yeah, yeah. So with, um, you know, with, with us starting this page, and I'm sure with you starting your podcast, um, you have seen, and I, actually you help on our, on our page as well. So I, I know that you've seen um, a lot of just like the in, engagements that we'll get um, on certain posts and things of that nature. And, um, you know, social media in general is just a extremely um, judgmental, I'll say, and, and toxic place. Um, to constantly, um, you know, mentally be president, uh, yeah. Yeah. that makes sense. So it's, 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 it's definitely extremely tiring. Um, but w with that, 
um, how do you, you know, in this space of like social activism and engagement and using social media, like you almost have to, you know, it, it's, it, it is a necessary in today's world to have a social media presence, to have an online presence, um, especially when you're trying to organize mass groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, and with Black Lives Matter, with, um, you know, Black activism generally, um, you know, how do you, how do you combat that? You know, because I, I know in your, in your first episode of your podcast, you talked a little bit about um, during the 2016 election when Trump was getting elected and, um, you know, and I'm not, I don't mean to tell all your business and no, you're good. Uh, if you want to stop me, stop me. But, um, you know, you're, um, y'all go check out the episode, but she mentions that she's in a um, white, uh, white sorority. Um, and just that dynamic of kind of interacting in a white space, um, in a political environment while also trying to, you know, stand firm in your blackness. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if this long-winded question makes any sense, but like, how do you, how do you navigate that? You know, it's, it, I feel like it's very hard for a lot of people to navigate being so, in your blackness. Yeah, one thing that I learned from that year and I have kind of relearned this year is making sure that you are giving yourself the space to connect and talk, talk to, vent, cry, whatever you need with your Black brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times within our community, when we're feeling something, we will just hold it in or suppress it. Um, I've heard that from a lot of different people, but there's so much freedom and space to literally just take a breath when you are talking to people who look like you, think like you, and are experiencing the same things as you. Mm -hmm. And you, you just, there's like a release almost that you get. And so that's one thing that I learned from that year. And like I said, again, this year, that really helped me kind of acknowledge how I was feeling and say, no, this is valid. I, I'm allowed to feel this way. Um, even though I'm uncertain, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know what, what, what next week will look like, but this is how I'm feeling. And then another thing, check, checking out of social media. Like, I, you know, I work in social media, so that's what I do. But I have to be mindful and conscious to log off, unplug, and give my brain um, time to disconnect. Because it can be very overwhelming. And the things you're consuming affects you a lot more than people realize it. Um, and so I said, during times like this, you need to disconnect a little bit. It's okay yeah. if you miss a headline or two, they will still be there. You can go back and read them. Um, but just making sure you're being aware of what you're consuming. That is, that's a very big thing of how yeah. I um, take care of me and my mental space. Yeah, so, um, you know, that, that's all things, um, that's all great stuff. Um, I, I, I'm not... I'm trying not to move forward too quickly and transition and trying to figure out a smooth way to transition. But as you know, on this show, we kind of just jump into it. Yeah, um, sure. But um, for, for a while, in, in that space, in your white spaces, um, you know, whether that be in your sorority, whether that be at work, um, what may have you, do you, I, I assume that you've experienced a white acquaintance or white friend who has been sympathetic with, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or, um, you know, black activism and things of that nature. Um, do you think that there's like a a unique struggle for them um, 
one growing and being willing to grow in their allyism um and, and two is it difficult for a black person is, is it a black person's responsibility to help them grow in that in that space um and i asked that question one because i feel like there are some white people who um while they they have good intentions but they are so ingrained in um you know what society the 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 system the systemic racism and like microaggressions and things of that nature that are harder to filter out um if you're not thinking about it you know consciously every second but i feel like there are some people who you know are guilty of maybe saying something that rubs somebody the wrong way but not necessarily meaning it in that way if that makes sense and, and um again i'm coming to you from um, you know, I went to Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. It's like 5% minority, um, a whole bunch of frats and sororities and uh, white parties and things of that nature. So I've interacted with people where, you know, I was the first black person that they've ever seen in real life, you know, um, and uh, people who didn't even fill out FAFSA because they didn't want their parents, uh, or they didn't want people looking into their parents' Swedish bank accounts, you know, um, and, and things of that nature. So just like people from all sects of life. But I genuinely didn't feel like all of those people were um, inherently like racist. And I felt like some of them were even willing to, you know, have a conversation. I um, mean, you yeah. talked in, in, your, in your podcast about being able to have a conversation um, and, and it ends civilly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do I, is there a way that you navigate that? Does your spirituality help you with that? Um, yeah. So one thing that I learned, I think one of the biggest lessons that I that being in a predominantly white sorority kind of opened my eyes and helped me see was a lot of white people live in a bubble. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people in general, just taking race out of it first, live in a bubble. We all live in a bubble that is consumed with self. Um, but then in my experience in my sorority, I learned a lot of white people live in a bubble in the sense that in their communities, there are no black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just some in that some mm-hmm. people are like, what in 2020? Yes, there are communities where there are zero black people, zero people of color. And the in one or two that, that are there are like, you know, uh, assimilated uh, right. white inside, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or they don't interact with the people of color in their community. And so when, when someone is brought into their space and it's like, oh, and then when that someone doesn't act the way that they think black people or a person of color is supposed to act from something they've seen on TV, it's like, oh, wow, really? And so a lot of the times I realized I can't be angry or be trying to jump down people's throats um, if they naively, and sometimes a lot of times it's not even their fault because that's how their parents raised them to be. They have no experience with black people. Yeah. And extending the grace to specifically a lot of my sorority sisters when they would ask me a question and it would genuinely be out of curiosity, nothing malicious behind it, um or ill intent just wanting to have an understanding um and i think that is what a lot of people sometimes forget um because we know when people are being intently racist and prejudiced and biased and just evil (laughs) point blank period we know that we read it um but there's also people out there who 
genuinely want to be better people. Like they, they want to be better and do better. Now, when it comes to educating, I don't, I don't want to be, and I don't think we as black people should be your, your Google out the gate. If you truly want to be a better person, do the work yourself, read, Google, have conversations within your circles. Cause that's where the change needs to happen. And then come to us and ask for our perspective or experience. Um, but I'm not out the gate. Um, just going to be educating white people. That's not, mm-mm. It's not, that's not, that's not your lane. It's not my lane. I'm not going to be um, re-traumatizing myself by t- sharing my stories and experiences that I have gone through for to validate, for you to acknowledge and validate my Black experience. There's, yeah. there's too, much, too many resources, <laughs> uh, too and, many books. And, and that's what I was, uh, I, was, I was thinking as you were talking was just, um, you know, how exhausting it is. And, yeah. and I've talked about it, um, you know, with, you know, with my girlfriend, with, with friends, how exhausting it is to have to go into spaces. You know, I've, I've been in work sitting in my car preparing to go in, knowing that, you know, once I get in there, um, you know, somebody might make a comment about Black Panther or, mm-hmm. you know, something where it's not like, so, you know, if your boss only talks to you about basketball, it's like, I know that you can talk to people about other things. Right. And this particular, like him talking to me about basketball isn't worth blowing up over, right? It's not over, it's not worth, you know, probably even having a conversation with him over, honestly, it's you know, for me. So, mm-hmm. um, but having to deal with that and having to navigate those spaces and how much of a toll that takes mentally, um, you know, on a black person trying to kind of break into that um, corporate world or, uh, you know, the, the, the office world. Um, yeah. And I found that it's hard to even, uh, you know, stay motivated, you know, to, to, to keep going in every day. Um, and that's why I think it's extremely important for folks like you who are trying to start their own business and start, um, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirited things to invest in keeping it black. Um, and, and I don't, and you can correct me or, you know, give me your perspective after, after I'm finished, but I don't say that to exclude white people or try to like, um, you know, limit white people's employment opportunities or anything like that, but more so just to, uh, you know, amplify black wealth, um, amplify black opportunity, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, so um, that, 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 that's always a, a interesting um, tidbit, but... Um, I think it's, it's important, like you said, to... And I won't say keep it black, but to create black spaces mm-hmm. um, because we've lived <laughs> in white spaces all our lives, and a lot of wellness spaces and spirituality places. It's like, oh, we'll have a, we'll play a black playlist, or we'll bring yeah. in one black teacher, and it's like, oh, we checked that box, and it's like, no. I'm still not comfortable because I'm walking into this space and there's maybe two or three of us and we eyeing each other from across the room. Like, is this weird for you too? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it's important to create black spaces where um, we as a people feel comfortable. And then like you said, not to exclude white people, because I think more white people should come into black spaces and understand what it feels like to be um, 
the minority in those spaces. But I also think it's important that when, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it's important that when white people are integrated into black spaces, mm -hmm. it is just that an integration and not a, a call, you know, because essentially what gentrification is, is yep. white people going into black neighborhoods and, and colonizing mm -hmm. them, you know, you know, uh, spending a whole bunch of money to make it look nice and kicking the black people out. Yep. Um, and I would, I fear that happening with a lot of black businesses because you know as the business becomes more successful as um you know any venture becomes more successful you're going to start to get offers for people to buy you out offers for people to um, you know have a certain percentage of the company and things of that nature to yeah. where you do sacrifice some of that control um for uh you know uh, maybe a temporary monetary jump or a significant you know a generational changing monetary jump because um, could you imagine somebody coming from, you know, um, you know, where where our moms grew up and yeah. now they're being somebody's offering them 20 million dollars to purchase their business that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you say, you know, how do you say no to that yeah. um, while also recognizing that they want to spend 20 million dollars on your business for a reason, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I think I probably went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but we, we do that from time to time. Um, but uh, moving forward, um, and this is probably gonna be the last thing um, on, on wellness um, and spirituality, at least um, for me, um, we can always talk about stuff if you haven't, but uh, there, there's a certain tension within the black community right now um, between uh, black men and black women uh, and the LGBTQ plus community and um, you know, conservative versus liberal, like there's just a lot of different um, opposing sides, it seems like within the black community. Um, one, how, how was your journey um, different or, or how, how, did, how do you think it might've been different because you were a black woman? I um, mean, this is specifically pertaining to, you know, like wellness and spirituality. Um, is, is that journey uh, subjective to to your your womanness, and I obviously assume that it is. Um, and then two, um, how can we make that spiritual journey like more of a coming together? Because I feel like I feel like if the spiritual journey was done right, the black men, the black women, the LGBTQ plus community, everybody would be getting closer um, spiritually. And 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 as you become more spiritually enlightened or more woke, quote unquote. Um, you know, we meet at the top at, in a, at a common census, right? Um, to where there wouldn't be in, any of this infighting and internal strife. Um, so I guess, do you, do you, are you sensing that? Um, what, what are your thoughts? I think a lot of times it comes down to people just not, one, fear, <laughs> and then two, when we don't understand something, fully or don't want to understand something fully, we just completely be like, oh no, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm, a, I'm scared of that. Or, you know, I'm just going to completely negate that person, that experience. And it's like, no, we all have voices. We all have a story. Sit down and listen, get off Facebook, share your opinion, <laughs> talk to people, talk to people in our community. Um, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Cause a lot of times, you know, when it comes to, um, the religious side of it 
and mm-hmm. viewpoints it's like oh no that's that's a sin we can't discuss that it's it's wrong that's all it is it's like well um but we, we can't even have a conversation yeah. what you don't know the experience and the life that I live. You don't know if I believe in God. You know, it's just a completely like shut it down. And then I think when it comes to black men and women, um, it's it's a constant of for some people, it's like black women are supposed to be this way, and then for other people, it's like black men are supposed to be this way. And it's what we in within our own community have decided that we are a monolith if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like this is how black men supposed to be this is how black women supposed to be this is how people in the lgbtq plus community are supposed to be and it's like no (laughs) everybody's story and experience isn't the same and so i think until we can acknowledge that we all have a story well go back until we all can acknowledge okay yes we all are black people that we get good we're good at that But then when it comes down to our individual stories and the experiences that each of us go through, if it strays from what we've been taught, what our parents taught us, what we believe, it's wrong. Out out the gate. And there is no talking about it. There is no working through it. Nothing. But I think we have to do that. There has to be conversations. People have to come together um, and learn from other people. Because if we don't, we, we will constantly be just infighting <laughs> and we're not going to make it to the top. We, we know that when we come together, we are so much more powerful than when we are all just sprouting our views and opinions about why so-and-so is wrong and so-and-so is wrong. Um, and then when it comes to just my spiritual as a Black woman, I feel like Black women, a lot of the times we are seen as like, we're supposed to be strong and stand firm and stand up for our community, but we can't be too soft. We can't be mm-hmm. needy. We can't want luxury. You know, we, we're supposed to be one specific type of way. And if we stray from that, something's wrong with her or she's weird or she's crazy. And it's like, once again, black women are not a monolith. Um, and so I think that's one thing that we tell our community as a whole, we shout out to the world like we are not a monolith, but I think we as a community need to acknowledge that black men, black women, and people in the LGBTQ plus community are not monoliths. Like individually, all of our stories are not the same. And that's what's beautiful about, I think, us as a black community. We just all have to come together and acknowledge that. Yeah, you know? 100%. I feel like, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like um, a, a large problem is, um, this kind of unwillingness to mm-hmm. confront um, the possibility that, you know, we aren't, uh, I don't want to say right in all situations, because that's not really the, the sentiment I'm trying to express. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after, after years of being the one who's oppressed, the yeah. one who has to, um, you know, answer to massa, answer to the police, answer to, um, you know, the slave, ca- the list goes on, Jim Crow, all this, all this, all this. Um, we've, we've been dealing with that as a community since we were introduced to white folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're at a space where I feel like the community is kind of um, at least self-conscious enough to reflect inward and see like, where can we do better? You know, where, oh, yeah, can, where can we improve? And it's kind of a hard conversation to have because I know as a black man, 
Um, you know, when I see all of um, th this trend on social media of the criticism of how black men treat black women, you know, mm -hmm. I am more, more receptive to that than most, but even still, I find myself sometimes like, dang, you know, like, dang, maybe this was a different kind of situation, you know, like maybe, maybe this wasn't, um, you know, like, uh, you know how white people, when, when a black person gets killed, maybe this wasn't the whole story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, I, I always have to check myself because, um, you know, my biggest, uh, my, my motto is, if a white person said this to me, would I be okay with it, you know? And um, a lot of the times I find myself thinking along those same lines. So, so one, I feel like um, it makes it a little bit easier to understand how white people can sit. Um, and, and of course, this is not talking about our allies, but how, how white people can sit in their ignorance and, mm -hmm. and kind of bask in that, in that blissfulness um, because it is a comfortable place. Yeah, it is, it's it's a, okay. a place for, um, you know, the black man to feel like he is doing all right by protecting and um, being the head of the household, quote unquote, and the black woman needs to get her act together, right? Like, yeah. it's a very, yeah. very easy place to sit in. Um, but once, you know, the black woman tells you, no, you're not protecting me. Like, I'm, you know, we're asking, we're out here asking you guys to stand with us and y'all aren't doing that. Um, that's a hurtful, you know, you don't ever want to hear that. So um, long story short, um, I think that we as a community have to use this opportunity um, not only to push our agenda forward, push Black equality, push, um, you know, education reform, police abolition, but also push, um, you know, Black unity and understanding uh, people within the Black community are not the same. And and the black community as a whole, although we do want the same thing, which is equality and justice and, and the right to be an American um, in its fullest sense, um, we all are not the same people. Um, and we, we do have to work through things and we do have to take self-criticism. Um, just like when we tell white people that, you know, us saying that America is racist is not saying that you want to kill all black people, but it's just saying that you're contributing, you know? Um, so that's always a interesting conversation to have, but I appreciate you for, um, you know, coming in, giving us a little bit of your uh, insight um, and, and enlightenment uh, yourself. Glad to meet This conversation. Um, we're gonna, we gonna go ahead and transition into our closing segments. <laughs> Let me know if you have any um, news that you'd like to share, but this is um, my three pieces of news from this week. Um, one, uh, Robert Trump, who's Donald Trump's uh, younger brother, I believe, he yeah. actually passed this week. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Donald went and visited him, I believe, um, Friday, and he passed on Saturday. Um, so obviously, you know, we're not the biggest fans of Donald and the Trump family in general, um, but we don't wish death upon anyone. And, um, you know, as they are transitioning, we do, you know, wish them peace and, and, and um, you know, understanding during this time. So Donald, we don't like you, but we don't wish this on you. And we, we hope you're getting better and working through it. Yeah. Um, secondly, um, I might should have saved that one for last because now it's going to seem like I'm bashing Donald after saying that. <laughs> um, but 
Bangladesh trying to shut down the USPS. I know. I'm so salty. Yeah, and, and it's like people, it's almost like it's it's not that big of a story, but it should be. It should be. I've been reading about this for at least like a month or two now, and I am the biggest critic of the USPS, but I use them. <laughs> so, and, and with all people, the issues, they're needed. And, and pe- people are saying like social security checks are arriving late, like the not not just for mailing uh, or mm-hmm. not just for voting purposes, but for general mailing purposes, um, USPS is drastically, drastically underfunded. Um, yes, I believe yes. um, 500 to 700 voting machines, or not voting machines, but mail sorting machines have been removed Yep. Um, in the last week. Uh, and this is under um, directive from the new, the new appointee um, of the, I can't remember what the title is, but he essentially heads um, the mailing in the U.S. Um, but he was appointed by Donald Trump. He was a Trump campaign donor. Um, and um, he has contributed to this. They're, def- they're not um, giving the USPS the funding they need in order to manage an election, especially of this scale with coronavirus going on. So again, this is just an attack on democracy. Um, and honestly, I don't know what Donald Trump's play is right now. And I don't know if you've heard in our past episodes, but I've almost, I'm scared to go down this road because I don't want to be labeled as a conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. Um, but Donald's doing some very frightening things in like the past yeah. year, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like him trying to consolidate power and um, manage how to get elected and ensure that he wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a little bit unnerved. Um, if y'all are not unnerved, more power to you, um, but I think you should be. Yeah, me too. Um, that was going to be one of my news stories, so you took it. <laughs> um, lastly, um, Cannon um, Hinton um, was a five-year-old boy in North Carolina. Um, he was mm-hmm. killed by a 25-year-old black man named Darius Sessoms. Um, they don't really know why the guy killed um, Cannon, um, but he was shot while riding his bicycle. Um, first of all, you know, rest in peace, Cannon. Um, like hearing about any child dying is always, um, devastating. It's, it's always hard to hear. Um, and it's, it's always impossible to understand. Um, so, you know, condolences to his family. Um, you know, you know, that obviously there's not, there's not much you can say. Um, but the reason that I bring this up, um, is because online there has been a lot of circulation of these posts highlighting Cannon's death and asking for, uh, you know, like, where's the protest? Where's the coverage? Where's the um, outrage? Where's the, uh, you know, rioting and stuff like that um, for this this little white boy who's got killed? It's, y'all aren't sharing it because it doesn't fit your narrative. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And for me, I just wanted to, I made a post earlier this week on my personal page, but I just wanted it to be made as painfully clear, at least from the eyes of Woke and Restless and Hobson McCain. Um, Cannon Hinton's death was wrong. Yeah. Cannon Hinton's death should never, ever, ever have happened. Cannon Hinton's killer was arrested the same day that Cannon Hinton was killed. Cannon Hinton's killer is sitting in jail right now 
for no killing um, him. Um, and he's facing life in prison. And he's in North Carolina. Um, he did, he, he shot Cannon in the head. So he, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to guarantee it, obviously, because I can't tell the future. But I have 99% confidence that that man will get the maximum sentence um, as justified by law, right? Mm -hmm. That, all of those facts nullify any argument saying that the media is biased in not reporting that, um, you know, juxtaposing it to how they report an Ahmaud Arbery or, or a George Floyd or a Breonna Taylor, because um, Ahmaud Arbery's mother had to go to the market in the town for, you know, months, weeks, months and see the two men who killed her son, you know, walking around free in, in public. Um, she had to live like that for months until a video got released. The, you know, and, and I, I don't even want to compare the two, like the two situations because it, it's not, huh? It's apples to oranges. It, 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 it's 100% apples to oranges. It's, it's just not the same thing um, because one family got an assemblance of justice because let's all recognize that when you lose a family member, just because the killer is in jail for the rest of their life, that doesn't make you feel better about your family member not being there, right? Yeah. So yeah. they got an assemblance of justice, but the justice system worked for them. When... <laughs> One thing that I have realized from this week, as if <laughs> I did, we didn't know it before, but it just kind of drove the point home that a lot of people still don't understand what we're fighting for because people who were like, oh, where's the art outrage? Why would you want us to have to be outraged about that little baby's death like this? Like, exactly. how does that even make sense? And, and, and it's more so like, you don't know why we were outraged in the first place. Yep, because, you have no idea. Because no black people, even even the call to abolish police mm -hmm. is not a call to remove law enforcement, right? Yeah. It's not a call to, uh, you know, let criminals run free and let people just, you know, live in the state of nature and just kill people and the strongest survive. That's stupid. Like black people are not stupid. And 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 when y'all make this argument, it almost seems like either you think that black people are fighting for something that's really, really just dumb, which yep. we've explained yep. to you what we're fighting for many a times, mm -hmm. or you yourself are just choosing not to understand the fight. Um, yeah. Because we're fighting the Tamir Rices who get killed mm -hmm. and his officers you know, get paid leave for a few weeks, come back to the job, working in the office, and then get deployed back in the field, you know, 10 months later after everybody's forgotten. Yeah. Um, we're, we're fighting for the Philando Castiles, who had a license to carry, notified the officer of the license to carry, and was killed while following a command to get his license. Yep. You know, so it's like, we're, we're fighting the fact that the system doesn't do exactly what it did for Cannon Hinton's family. Um, yep. And again, I've, I've tried to minimize how much I, I mentioned Cannon aside from just explaining his situation because I do not want to compare his death um, and use his death necessarily as a political tool. I mean, yep. that's what I feel like a lot of people are doing. Oh, definitely. Um, and it's, it's, it, 
it's not funny, but it's like you guys aren't even using the tool correctly because this isn't relevant. Like you're you're bringing you're bringing a hammer to to uh, nail something in or to to uh, screw something in, right? Like it's yeah. not a yeah. tool. Um, but anyway, um, we just wanted to make that clear that um, that is not something that um, should be used to detract from a humanitarian effort. Um, and I don't think in the long term it's going to have a large effect on it. But um, it was just something particularly frustrating that I saw this week um, that I wanted to address. Um, so do you got anything, anything else for us in terms of news? Nope, you stole my you, the post office one. <laughs> well, I apologize. You, um, you know, great minds think alike, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, so now we're going to go on to our final segment of the week. And actually, if y'all listened to the episode last week, me and Kermit had a bet um, because I thought that we always ended on news, but apparently we do always end on best thing we saw this week. So mm-hmm. I owe Kermit a homemade chocolate chip cookie. Um, Are you so- going to make this cookie? Wait yeah, I'm, I gotta make him a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, okay. He wants something special in it, but I forgot. I'm gonna have to listen to the episode again. Let me know how that goes. Yeah, I will. I will. It's gonna be an ugly cookie. In your recipe, I got you. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but best thing you saw this week, Destiny? So I'm gonna come for your neck a little bit because was this like two weeks ago you came for TikTok? Yeah, no, I did come for TikTok. I don't really TikTok. And listen, I know people, I'm a millennial, so I'm 25, I'll be 26 this year. Mm. People are like, oh no, millennials aren't on TikTok. It's for Generation Z or whatever. But I I was one of those people like, I'm not getting on TikTok. Like, what? No. But you know me, I'm a social media person, so I downloaded it. <laughs> um, and just so you know, TikTok is really a cool space for creatives. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, I'm not going to lie. I just had a little bit of technical difficulty. So I'm hoping that y'all, did, y'all didn't hear anything I was saying. If you did, we'll probably edit this out so y'all will never know. <laughs> but um, my best thing that I saw this week, <laughs> um, there was supposed to be a, a pro-Confederacy rally at Stoke Mountain this week. Uh-huh. And, Black Lives Matter showed up and just swarmed it. And um, there was like 15 pro-Confederacy people out there, but they were just trash and they lost. And I thought it was great. I did see that too. Yeah, that was good. Um, So yeah, um, we appreciate you, Destiny, for tuning in um, with us. Again, y'all go check out her episode or her episodes um, on uh, her podcast, A Piece of Destiny. Um, I believe it's available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. So um, y'all make sure y'all go check that out for us. Um, There will be a link in our comments when we post it on the page. And we appreciate y'all for um, tuning in, staying with us. And uh, as always, stay woke, Destiny. You got the... Oh, stay restless. Stay restless. There we go. (laughs) We appreciate it.